So at the beginning of Lent, we listen to the story of Jesus from the start of his ministry. It's when Jesus goes into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And that story is a recurrence, uh, a replay, if you will, of the story in Genesis when Adam and Eve are tempted by Satan. Jesus is replaying that story. But because of sin and our disordered lives, the garden has in a sense become a wilderness. So you see what's happened in the beginning that temptation takes place in a garden, but with Jesus it takes place in a wilderness. And this is symbolizing what's happened in the world because of our sin. But Jesus enters that wilderness and he does battle with Satan. And Jesus became in that moment our champion and our example. We talked about that early in Lent. As our champion, Jesus resisted sin in a way that Adam and Eve did not. He also cast Satan out in a way that Adam and Eve did not. And as our example, He enables us by His Spirit to do that same thing in our encounters with temptation. So, Jesus' entire ministry is, in a sense, Him becoming our champion and our example. He stands apart from us, doing things that we on our own cannot do. But He also pioneers a way, a new way, and He calls us by His very Spirit to walk with Him on that way. And that's what Jesus is doing here in John chapter 13, at the end of his ministry. He is again becoming our champion and our example. So he's our champion because he lays down his life for us. That's what this enactment is is portraying. In washing his disciples' feet, he's laying down his life. He is enacting his death for us. But he's our example because he's teaching us how we're to lay down our own lives in following Him. So I want to talk with you for a few minutes about both sides of this. The way in which Jesus, in this moment, is showing us what it means for Him to die on the cross, for, for Him to lay down His life for us, but then also how He is exemplifying what it's to mean for us to follow Him and to lay down our lives in the way that He does. So Jesus' washing of his disciples' feet, we have to understand, is not a random act of kindness on Jesus' part. He is enacting his death. He's showing us what it means that his death is on our behalf. So we know this because John tells us at the end of John chapter 13, verse 1, having loved his own who are in the world, he now loved them to the very end. And that phrase, to the very end, is the same word that Jesus uses on the cross when he says that his mission is fulfilled and he he utters the word, it is finished. Jesus in this moment is showing them what it will mean for him to love them to the very end. In washing his disciples' feet, Jesus is showing them what it means for him to love them literally to the bottom of their feet, to the most basic and mundane part of them. 
the washing of feet becomes for us, it's like a pair of glasses. We're to put this on and we're to look through it at the cross to understand what the cross is saying to us and to see the cross as love. Now we also know this is about the cross because of Jesus' conversation with Peter. Peter is a study in human nature, isn't he? He's a lot like us, a lot of us at least. He's proud of his humility. Have you ever realized that you can be proud of your humility? He tells Jesus, you shall never wash my feet. And a lot of us can relate to that resistance, can't we? We want to be self-sufficient. And we especially don't want people dealing with such personal, ugly, and smelly parts of our lives, do we? Jesus answers Peter, if I do not wash you, you will have no share with me. Now, another way of saying this is, if you will not let me forgive your sins, if you will not let me love you, you cannot have my presence. That's what Jesus is saying in that moment. If you will not let me love you, in other words, if you will not let me come near the dirtiest and smelliest and ugliest parts of your life, then you can't receive my love. That's what Jesus is saying. Now, Peter has a knack for turning anything into a competition. He says, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus tells him, Peter, that's not quite necessary. The one who has bathed does not need to wash except his feet, but he is completely clean. Again, The washing of the disciples' feet is like a pair of glasses. You're to use this to look at the cross. So through the washing of feet, Jesus communicates that his death is about a cleansing of the dirtiest parts of our lives. Those things we wish were not true about us. Jesus laid down his life especially because of those things. It's also true that our feet become dirty over and over again. How often do your feet need to be washed? Anyone want to? Abel has an answer for us. You don't have to answer that question. I think we all know the answer. Baptism is a once-for-all cleansing of your life from sin. In baptism, Jesus says your sins are forever forgiven. But we still become dirty, don't we, in the course of life? We collect filth in our lives daily, don't we? We still need to go back to Christ through confession of our sin to allow Him to wash us continually and to make us clean. But his, our baptism is a once-for-all declaration that He is committed to, to forgiving our sins, past and future. Jesus is our champion because He laid down His life for us. He laid down His life so that we could be forgiven and cleansed of our sins. But, and here's the catch. In our daily lives, we all have to learn what it means to receive His forgiveness. 
You see, this is the difficult thing, I think, for all of us as human beings. Our primary posture toward God is not doing things for Him, but receiving from Him. Receiving. Peter's funny request of Jesus, that Jesus wash his whole body, ironically, hear me out, it's still based in pride. Peter is trying to tell Jesus how he's to save him. Instead of letting Jesus tell him how he's going to save him. And a lot of us wrestle with that same problem. We try to control everything, even God's way of saving us. Some of us hang on to guilt and shame over things for which Jesus has already forgiven and cleansed us. We refuse to accept that we're really loved and that God really has made us clean based only on His laying down of His life for us. There are some traits, I find, that we tend to view as humilities, like self-criticism and the refusal to receive love, that are actually the deepest kind of pride. We do the Lord Jesus dishonor when we choose to believe our own internal opinions of ourselves rather than His opinion of us. That because of Him, we are clean, we are forgiven, and we're loved. I wonder if that is your primary opinion of yourself. That you're clean, you're forgiven, and you're loved. Do you agree with God? That's a hard thing to do sometimes, isn't it? Jesus is our champion. He's laid down his life for us to forgive us and to make us clean. But he's also our example because he wants to teach us how to lay down our life in love the way that he laid down his for us. Jesus is saying that this is what will turn the wilderness of the world into a garden again if we love one another as he's loved us. And he shows us this especially with Judas. What do you do when you're in a room with someone who is actively betraying you? That's where Jesus is. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas to betray him, we hear in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 2. I think God has given us this extreme example so that we can see the depth of His love and dare to display this love in our own lives. When we ask, what do we do with someone who's offended us? Maybe the first example we should think of is, what did Jesus do with Judas? What does Jesus do? with this one who has betrayed him, with his enemy. He washes his feet. Why does he do this? I don't like to raise questions in sermons that I don't know the answer to, but I don't know the answer to that. I don't think we're given an answer. The question we are given an answer to is how does he do it? Jesus is able to do this because he knows who he is and he knows where he is going. John gives us this window into Jesus' own soul in this moment. This is 
verses 3 to 5. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. How does Jesus do it? He does it because Jesus knows that with the Father, he has everything. With the Father, he has everything. And Jesus wants us to know that same thing because in the Father, with the Father, we have everything. Now, I think this is really special. Jesus knows that with the Father, He has everything. And so, Judas and his plans serve no real threat to Jesus. Do you see that? If you know that with the Father, you have everything, there is no external threat on your life. (laughs) No real threat. In fact, because this is the Father who can work all things for good, this Father will draw even Judas' plan for unthinkable evil into His unimaginably good plan to redeem the world. Judas serves no real threat. So knowing who he is and where he's going, Jesus is free. Jesus is utterly free to move toward his enemy. How do you, how do I lay down our lives for others? You have to know what Jesus knew. Who you are, and where you're going. I wonder if you believe that with the Father you have everything and that nothing of yours can really be lost of the things that really matter. We can humble ourselves to serve each other, even our enemies. We can set aside our own preferences and our own agendas because with the Father we have nothing that we can truly lose. You know, often in the church, uh, and it's not just in the church, but I think it's the church that matters the most in this case, we wait for others to make the first move. Especially if someone has offended us, we may wait for them to make the first move. But Jesus calls all of us equally to initiate a laying down of your life for the sake of others. This is the kind of people that we're to be, that we initiate the laying down of life toward each other. We don't wait on each other to make the first move, no matter who has caused offense. So again, Jesus is our champion because he lays down his life for us. I wonder if you're receiving that forgiveness into your life and making that your primary identity, that you are loved and forgiven. And Jesus is our example, showing us how to lay down our life. And I wonder if we are trying, with His help, to learn to lay down our lives for each other, to seek each other out, our, our, each other's well-being, to initiate the Uh, when, When things grow cold in a relationship, to initiate breaking the ice and renewing the relationship. 
This kind of thing has to happen over and over again in family relationships, in households, and especially in churches so that we represent the love of Jesus to each other and also to a world that God has died for in his love. Jesus has given us this new commandment that we no longer live according to the ways of the wilderness of the world, but we live to restore the world to a garden. And to do that, we're to love one another just as he has loved us. Now, tonight, we provide an opportunity for foot washing as a concrete expression of this love that Jesus commands. Now, I know that for a lot of people, this is, I don't know anyone for whom this is not unusual. Let me just say that first. I don't know anyone for whom this is not awkward. It is. If you're not, no one is required to do it. Unless a spouse tells you you have to do it, then you're required to do it. But you're not going to be shamed for not doing it. Please, please hear that. The point of this, like that first foot washing by Jesus, is to provide a concrete expression of what it means to lay down your life for another. And listen, feet are, I know that people don't have to do this today, but feet are always feet, aren't they? Like they haven't changed since the first century in the sense of they still get dirty and smelly and so on. Feet are always the lowliest parts of us that need care. So there, there are going to be foot washing stations uh, on each side and in the back. Uh, two on each side and, and also in the back. Now, it would be easy for us, if we did foot washing enough, we could turn even that into a formality and a way to get out of doing the other difficult things that we need to do in order to lay down our lives for people. And so here's what I would like you to do during this time that we have set aside in our service. If you participate in foot washing, I would like you, while you're washing someone's feet, to pray for that person and to ask the Lord, what will it mean for me to lay down my life for this person? And it might be that after the service, at some point in the near future, you find a a way to ask that person, what would it look like for me to lay down my life for you? What would it look like if our church really started asking that question of each other? Would that not be a powerful expression of love? So whether you participate in this or not, I hope that you will be praying. Praying for people that you can picture in your mind and asking, Lord, what does it look like for me to lay down my life for this person. 